Marks6DH6 writes, Absolutely gutted to be missing today's NCFC game and beers after. What idiot has an allergic reaction to beard dye? Got a jaw like Croft 7, Lee Croft now, fuming. We've all done it. This is the Totally Football League show. Doing the Darren Huckabee is how we all live our life, right? At least that's the response from Adrian Clark on our WhatsApp group. Uh, have we said Joe Crilly from William Hill? I have said I. And then Sam Parkin remains silent on the subject of hair. Who'd you thought? Good one. Yeah. All right, maybe not. Poor old Darren Huckabee missing the Norwich game, missing another triumph for Norwich because of beard hair dye. Yeah, I've not gone down the beard dye route as right. yet, I have to say. I've had the, uh, the beard lotion. Uh, it just softens it up nicely. Is makes, there you a smell, makes you smell nice. Ah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what it's a called. Wax uh, yeah. or an oil. Or uh, yeah, beard, beard oil. Beard oil. It. Yeah, yeah. I'm but, glad but we cleared that up. Beard, beard dye. Yeah, unacceptable. Beard dye, Sam. I'll need some soon, yeah. I'm getting a bit grey on my beard. Insult to injury, really. Nothing on top and now grey beard. It's, it's not grey, is it? It's great blonde, times. blonde tinches. I was very fair as, mm. a, as a kid, but it seems to have gone dark in my 20s and now it's going a little bit grey, so it's not great news. Someone really. that will appreciate great news chat is Wally Downs because he yeah. heads up the news this week. There's all sorts of talk about whether Kevin Nolan would get the AFC Wimbledon job. Apparently was offered it, apparently turned it down, apparently all sorts of apparently is around that yeah. one. But Wally Downs walks in as the new first team manager in the last, what, half an hour or so. Glyn Hodges is going to be his assistant, they went on to say on their official statement. We conducted an exhaustive and rigorous process which started with over 80 applications for the role. Wally had the highest calibre coaching CV of any of the applicants and through two interviews outlined his strategy to increase the levels of performance required to ensure our key task of maintaining League One survival this season, whilst also continuing the legacy of our club on and off the pitch. Underline, underline, underline is the fact that they're desperate to stay in that league. Well, yeah, they are. Uh, I'm pleased that he's back in the game. Obviously, speaking to the bloke from the supporters group a few weeks ago, he was very much, we kind of need to get away from the ex-Wimbledon obsession, ex-Wimbledon player obsession. So mm. you can't get much more Wimbledon than Wally Downs and Glyn Hodges, did you say? Yeah, but if, as if, well, so. if there's a... Right, if you're not going to be able to bring many more into, we don't know, maybe yeah. they will bring many more in, but you've got to try and work what you've got there. Yeah. And so you want to motivate. Is he the motivator they need? Well, coach as well. Yeah, is, yeah you used the right word there in, in he had the coaching credentials. He is a coach, isn't he? He's a number two. He has managed before at Brentford and did all right, but ultimately it didn't last that long and it was quite a while ago. So much like any new man any new manager that's been a number two it, it's it's a step into the unknown to, to mm. some degree isn't it so it wouldn't have been my choice I, I understand the logic behind it in terms of his his allegiance to the club if he brings with him a lot of the motivational tools that the old crazy gang had then then it, it will fire up a few of the players I think but but modern day footballers are very different I'm afraid to the players that Wally would have would have played with at Wimbledon back in the day so so I just hope that he's he's moved with the times and, and adjusted Look, I wish him well I just think if they had 80 applicants if you look at his CV as a manager, he wouldn't have made the top 10. We're talking about Wally Downs being appointed as the new manager of AFC Wimbledon. Eric Samuelson, who does everything at the club and uh, always frowns every time I say that, so I'll say it again. Eric Samuelson, who does everything at the club, joins us now. Um, Eric, congratulations. You have got your man. Is he your man? Uh, yes, absolutely. I'm <laughs> not quite sure what exactly the question means, but he's our manager and he's our man. Was he, so, the, yes. was he the prime candidate? Was he the one from the start when you started seeing all the applications come through? 
Well, you try to be open-minded about these things and try to force yourself to be. So, you know, there's a few names always stand out when, when people apply. And we had, um, I haven't counted lately, but 80-odd applications. But you sort of know, even before you do your first interview, a couple are going to be on the second interview list, and he was clearly one of them. But then there's some others, you know, you just have to look at and say, well, what, are, what do they bring? And in the end, um, in the end, we are where we are. We've, we've appointed Wally, and we're all very pleased about it. What are the attributes that you hope Wally will be able to bring to the club I suppose he's been a fantastic coach in his time you've got some good young players at the club is that something that you'd hope he'll be able to develop well there's a whole range and, and, and you look for these in all the candidates but what we see in them is we see in Wally uh, first of all he's, he's a fantastic coach and his coach at the, at the highest level secondly he um, is absolutely committed to developing young players and making sure young players get to make their name uh, and make their appearances within the club and lastly he's uh, you know we've seen over the last few years because we, uh, we've seen that he is committed the club he understands it and believes in it and I think we've been very fortunate in, in the past when the managers we've recruited from outside from, from outside this Wimbledon uh, family they've got it in quotes about the club and it's great to have another manager who we think doesn't really need that briefing he gets it from the start well he's one of your own that's for sure Eric and I completely understand the fit yes. the, the, the the negatives would be that he hasn't been a, a number one for for a long long time and also that he's been working overseas we know in 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 India most recently of course does he have a good breadth of current knowledge on on League One did he impress you with that well, what you do is you make sure that uh, you don't expect everybody to know everything. And, and, and you know, obviously, Simon Bassey's staying on, and there's hardly anybody, I think, has a better knowledge of League One, the players, the other teams. And obviously, um, Wally will assimilate as time goes on. But to the extent that he needs to, and I expect he will early on, he's able to lean on si- and draw on, I think, uh, Simon's knowledge and, and expertise. And that's uh, we found the same when, when Neil Ardley joined us, that Simon was invaluable. I'm sure he will be again. I know you've addressed in your statement about these social media comments made by Wally Downs. I know that you, you've, as a club, spoken to him about it and his conduct in, in the future. For you, how difficult has this, this process been appointing a new manager? Clearly, you wanted to, it to work out with Neil Ardley. As a, someone that goes through it, does it, does it take it out of you? Is it, is it a difficult process? Uh, to be honest, running a football club takes it out of you all the time. <laughs> I'm not sure I noticed the difference. It's been all absorbing, and certainly it's taken up a huge amount, a huge amount of time, which wasn't scheduled. But it, it, it's um, it's essential. You know, it's it's the stadium and the new manager are the two biggest events that could possibly happen in a, in a club, and for them to be going at the same time is incredibly demanding. But We've got the stadium right, and I'm sure we've got the manager right. And and over time, we'll be able to see the proof of both in the next next few months, actually. Yeah. So one last quick one: How vital is it that he keeps you up with regards to what's happening off off the pitch? Well, it's football, and therefore, of course, it's vital. Because you know, I'm a fan deep down, and it's vital if we stay in League One. Uh, if the worst were to happen and we were to go down, we're prepared. Uh, or rather, we know what it will mean, and we will manage it. It's perhaps a better way of putting it. And we'll be fine. There's bound to be, in, in the history of a club, however short, ours is only 16 years, there's bound to be times of adversity. We think we're addressing it well. If it doesn't quite work out, there's next season, and uh, we'll be back up again, I'm sure. Eric Samuelson, thank you as always for coming on the show. All the best of luck. My pleasure. More importantly, oat cakes. (laughs) 
a discussion born out of last week at The Totally Show to be part of any discussion you hear. Janice Gemini says, Guys, oatcakes, I feel for you. You've been missing out your entire lives. Think crepes rather than American-style pancakes. Rolled, folded around the filling, depending on what you have. Bacon, cheese, brown sauce, manna from heaven. <laughs> Some of the pictures that we were sent actually did look pretty tasty. That was a good one. Yeah, definitely. And... um I was at Bristol at the weekend. I'm sure we'll come on to the game, but there was a nice, uh, you know, cooked ham in a roll, with brown sauce and chips. It was a early kickoff as well. So, so it's like a boiled ham. Yeah, but I think that was quite West Country. Do you think with a cider maybe? Oh, um, it was I, delicious. I boil, I boil a ham with a can of Coke. There you go. Yeah, it's the way to do it. Delicious, but the oat cakes. Yeah, they look good. I mm. thought like very kind of northern France they looked with some chips and a green salad a salad vert I was going to move on and cider on. again probably yeah well I, I was going to move on but Adrian gave me those eyebrows which means I have something very important to <laughs> no, say not at all not at all I just imagined when, when you first brought it up that an oat cake was a bit like a tracker bar but it was the complete opposite, isn't it? It does look really tasty. And yeah, I just needed an excuse to go to Port Vanna. Other sorts of bars are available that have oats in them other than Tracker. And, and we're not suggesting that Tracker bars aren't really tasty. I mean, but not really. <laughs> it's a great reference, though. That is, <laughs> that is so late 80s, early he's 90s. He's pulled his Brilliant. Tracker bar out. Oh, it's tremendous. And he's Love not it. afraid to use it. Well done, Nigella. <laughs> On to the championship, then. Here's what happened. Cantwell, Aaron's Pookie, the Norwich, a 3-1 win against Rotherham. Canary's reclaiming top spot from Leeds. Graben, his double, gave Forrest a win over Ipswich. Hull, Blackburn, Derby, Birmingham, all won. Reading equalised in the 94th minute against Stoke. Uh, Leeds beat Sheffield United in that early kickoff. And then the spicy nutmeg latte that did for Declan Rudd <laughs> was a thing of beauty. West Brom 1, Brentford 1 was the latest result in a series of results over the weekend that stretched on forever, thank goodness. There was a stoppage time equaliser that did for West Brom and they're all a bit like, what's happened here? Yeah, well, the game should have been out of sight in the first half. They had some unbelievable chances. Jay Rodriguez missing one at the far post from a, a Barnes cross. Phillips is just in sensational form. Matt Phillips, he's been a revelation in this new position, slightly on the right-hand side of a narrow midfield three, but he's got such power to get around. So they should have been out of sight. Got a fortuitous goal because it should have been a foul. Dwight Gale fouled the centre-half Conza in the lead-up. Harvey Barnes again. Uh, and Brentford, a little bit of resilience, I suppose, to stay in the game. And Lewis McLeod gets a brilliant header. But yeah, I mean, West Brom should have won the game. Mm. Um, and hopefully for Thomas Frank, that's the turning point for, for Brentford. But I'm I'm hot on West Brom at the moment. I really like having that flexibility to play the different systems. What a good position to be in going into uh, the Christmas period. They were all over them, weren't they? Yeah, and able to play different things, different systems. And Dwight Gale, I think, will come back in naturally at some point, maybe yeah. when they play a two. But... I think it was just one of those nights last night, to be frank. And um, I, I think West Brom, are, you know, for me, they're favourites to go up automatically. Still up to, to third as a result of that. Middlesbrough dropping to fourth. Middlesbrough nil, Villa three. Middlesbrough hadn't conceded three league goals at the Riverside since October 2017. After that, that 5-5 draw with Nottingham Forest for Dean Smith beating Birmingham, one away at Middlesbrough. It's been quite a week for Aston Villa. Yeah, quite a week indeed. I think a clean sheet was nailed on, wasn't it? When <laughs> you conceded five, Forrest did it as well, didn't they? Yeah. So so I'd imagine a lot of work done on the training ground, a lot of you know home truths told to the defensive players. But going forward, Villa, very, very good. I just love the width 
that, that they've got in their side at the moment. They've got they've brought Balassi into the team, haven't they? And he's been brilliant the last couple of games on, on the left, on the right. Yeah, tre- tremendous asset, I think, to Aston Villa. And of course, he, he chose Villa over Middlesbrough, so that, that really rubbed it in, I think, for, mm. for Tony Pulis. So it is a worry, isn't it, that they've only scored 22 goals and, and we've talked them up as promotion contenders, rightly so, because of their position. But 18 teams in the championship have scored more. Which is weird, really. So that so they have to, they have to become more potent going forward. And um, against the better sides too. If you yeah. look at their performances at home against Forest, Derby, now now Villa too. It's kind of those are the sides you're being tested against and and not pulling it off. Yeah, I mean it's a concern for them. I, I just thought they were in complete control. Villa from the first whistle really dictated the uh, possession on the front foot. And uh, yeah, Middlesbrough just really struggling to score goals. It's a worry for Tony Pulis. I still think their defensive record's been so good that they'll be very strong on the second half of the season. For, for Villa, the, the conversation that me and Adrian have had so often about the goalkeeper and about the centre-half, I think still Dean Smith, I think he'll be clinical and he'll go in and he'll rectify that situation in January because they're so good going the other way. Yeah. What a breath of fresh air for all the Villa punters. He, Adrian spoke about Balassi, El Ghazi as well out of nowhere, into the team. And I just think all the Villa fans just united behind Dean Smith and this momentum they got. Yeah, on the goalkeeping situation, there were rumours abound that Villa and Leeds, Leeds another team that I've sort of said that they might need a new goalkeeper. Not that I don't rate Peacock Fowler, who had a really good game at the weekend. I do rate him, but I still think he's a slight weak link there if they've got aspirations to play in the Premier League. Tom Heaton. Tom Heaton at Burnley. Is, Bristol is, City think they're getting him. Well, they're not getting him. <laughs> they're not getting him. Let me tell you, it will be Villa or Leeds if Burnley, yeah. of course, agree to let him go. I think it's all dependent on the on the fitness of Nick Pope and, and when he's able to, to be involved at Burnley. So whoever gets Tom Heaton, I, I'm pretty sure one of them will. That is a big leg up because yeah. he will instantly upgrade Villa and I think Leeds. And you kind of think, why, why wouldn't he want to go there? You know, there's just, yeah, yeah, as you yeah. say, the potential for either of those two teams. Balassi and Abraham, Abraham Key. Albert Adoma, they're talking about a new contract, new long-term contract for him too. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to settle everyone before January swings around. <laughs> he did Well, he did brilliantly last season and had a bit of a, I suppose, falling out. Well, his brother had a falling out, didn't he, with Steve Bruce? I think it was his quotes that riled everyone. But yeah, he's done brilliant and... Obviously, all the attacking players are flying at the moment. The likes of Grealish and um, John McGinn as well. And Tammy, six in uh, six days, I've noted down there, after I gave him a big up the last time, yeah, right. last time I was speaking about him. You are an inspiration, yeah. Mr. Parker. So, as, soon as, you, as soon as you talk up a striker, i.e. Herbie, Herbie Kane, our mate, Adonk, so they just they just have that lift, don't Tammy they? Tammy is an England international. <laughs> I haven't just swatted him over to my back fence. I've had a cheeky look. I've had a long train journey here. Uh, let me tell you. So so we I've had I've had extra it. I've had extra time to prepare, no, no. and I'm going to spill spill off some 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 things that I found out, <laughs> whether you like it or not. Whether well, you now, like it or yeah. not. Now, in now. Term, in t- yeah, in terms oh. of Villa and Middlesbrough, it, I don't know if this is interesting or not, but Villa. Mm. Okay, have got to play six of the top seven at home between now and the end of the season. They've basically done all the hard away games. They've got all the big guns at home. Now, do we back them to 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 win those games in front of their own fans? If you do, then Villa have got a wonderful chance of making it into the playoffs. For Borough, it's the exact opposite. They've got to play teams from three to 11. They're in fourth. 
all away from home. So so it's Borough's away form that will make the difference, I think, between playoff or not playoff. Are you saying that if we look at the current places in the promotion race, in the playoffs, West Brom, Middlesbrough, Nottingham Forest and Sheffield United occupy those mm. four, right? So are you saying that Aston Villa will take the place of Middlesbrough? Yeah, if I'm looking at predicting each of the fixtures, but Middlesbrough have struggled a little bit at home, weirdly enough, haven't they? They're, they're quite quite a strong away side, don't need to score a lot. You know, they can keep things tight away from home. I just think that if Villa can, can get their home form right and beat the majority of their major rivals between now and the end of the season, they're very, very likely to be at least in the playoffs. And, and Borough have to, a, a string of really challenging away games. And I, and I could, unless they start scoring more goals, I could see them slipping away. Is that your top six? Regardless of the order, Norwich, Leeds, West, Brom, Aston Villa, Nottingham Forest and Sheffield United. The top six at the moment. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah that's who I'm talking about. But, but you know, Derby... No, is, but would that... that, that no, no, no. Derby, Villa are eighth at the moment. Would Derby is still that? in the mix, aren't they? For sure. I'm uh, trying to get you to call your top six. <laughs> Villa will be in it. I'm calling that. Uh, there you go. At the expense of Middlesbrough is how I read that. Uh, and I only said that because Nottingham Forest, Wakefield Neil has been in touch, says, I'm enjoying Forest going totally under the promotion radar, but what the hell does Karanka have to do to be nominated for manager of the month two defeats in 20 apart from the Villa Panto hardly a goal conceded scandal says Wakefield nil Nottingham Forest two Ipswich nil you can play out there where they were playing Ipswich Paul Lambert though etc listen they're in a good place Forest at the moment grabbing 15 now for the season up to fifth it's a little bit of a concern if he gets injured. Mm. Um, so I know another Forest fan has asked us about the movement in January. That would be something. I know they've got Murphy. They've got a few options there as well. But yeah, another striker. You can never have too many. Uh, just ask Neil Warnock when you're going for promotion. Maybe a centre-half as well. Uh, they're a little bit short there. Obviously, uh, Dawson's doing a fine job at the minute. And I just think, you know, look at the Premier League teams and look at the lads who aren't playing, mm. the ones that have got experience of promotion. Maybe... Even some of the boys at Wolves that aren't getting in, that have got that experience of last year. You have the influence of the Portuguese players already. You know, something there as well to, to add someone who's you got them. You think they'll go? The uh, well, it's a, that's a difficult one because they'll be on big money. They're in the Premier League. They've worked hard to reach there. But if you're not getting the opportunities, there may be the opportunity for one of the championship clubs that in the higher reaches of the division to tempt them away just to get them regular game time. You can swerve it because he swerved the top six. Yeah. So that's, that's fine, I'll let you. Um, it, 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 Graben has been key, though, oh, yeah. and I think we'll continue but to be key. the depth as well. We spoke yeah. about the depth, me and Adrian, and again, they were forced into a couple of changes because they had the red card at Aston Villa. So they changed that. Cash came out of the side again. Diaz came back in, and they're not weakened, not sufficiently weakened for Ipswich to look like getting anything out of the game. But... Yeah, it is Ipswich. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what, what I liked about Karanka, we, we were mildly critical of it. I was earlier in the season. I said he didn't know his best side. He was basically making three or four changes every weekend. But what that did, it gave most members of his squad game time. Mm. And he did learn about each of them. And I think he's starting to find it now. And they're all match ready because they've all been dipped in and out of the side. And I think that has made a huge, huge difference to Nottingham Forest. Cavalio is one, isn't he, that's that's coming good. He's getting better and better. He's got six assists now, which is this which is joint top in the division. So he's starting to to look the real deal. And grab and no one scored more goals in the championship in two thousand and eighteen 
than he has. He's, he's by some distance um, ahead of the rest. So it's so looking good. Uh, I know that Pantillamon got a bit of stick, didn't he, for the, for the performance at Villa Park. And some Forest fans aren't sure about him, but, but Tom I think he's OK. <laughs> yeah, Tom Heaton might go there. <laughs> no. He's here, he's there. On that, on January, though, I did, I did um, hear a whisper that West Brom who've got Luke Dowling, who was their sporting director at Forest. Yeah. He wants to poach Joe Lolly, I believe. Um, but I think he's going to have a hard fight in his hands. I don't expect we're not what, in the Forest to what's say. What's your Twitter address if everyone wants to get in touch with you? <laughs> I don't think they'll be letting Lolly go. No. I think the, the, the striker that everyone will be in for is Madger. Because yeah. I don't think he's signed that contract. Um, or he hasn't uh, signed a contract beyond the end of the season. So... I think there'll be a lot of people in for him, but I don't know if it's realistic him moving Sunderland to, to Forest. He may feel he can get a Premier League move. We have lots of Sunderland chat on the way right. on the Totally Football League show. But EA Sports is an official partner of the EFL and we've teamed up with them to offer one of our Instagram followers a pair of home tickets to Derby, Nottingham Forest. That's on the 17th of December. If you want to be in with a chance of winning, simply like the competition post on Instagram. So that's at Totally Football Show. Give us a follow for your chance to win. T's and C's are on the Audio Boom Show page. Closing date is the 4th of December 2018, in case you're listening to this next year, which incidentally is today. So if you're listening Wednesday, ignore the last 20 seconds. But they were joyous. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show in association with William Hill. For all the latest odds in the footballing world, check out williamhill.com or download the app. And if you don't spot something you fancy, why not tweet at William Hill using the hashtag YourOdds for your very own personalised bet. 18 plus only, be gambleaware.org and when the fun stops, stop. Norwich then, with that 3-1 win over Rotham, as you were at the start of, of Saturday at the top. Six wins in seven for Norwich, 40 points from 20 games. Uh, Forest, who we were talking about, creeping above Sheffield United into fifth. The only other change in the top six before that last West Brom game. So for Norwich to keep up that consistency when I think this is a period of time that you're going into where you think, well, at least the, the Norwich fans you talk to are like, something's going to give soon, but it's not given yet. No, and I, I don't know if they feel they're getting the credit, I think, from the, the wider media for the, for the run that they're on. Um, they dropped points at, at Hull, who have obviously picked up in the last week, uh, winning at QPR. A difficult game against Rotherham. I saw them against QPR last week, and just a continuation of what they were last year. They're very, very powerful. Um, two good wide players. Williams, in particular, impressed me. He plays very well when they get direct balls into, into Smith. Viner as well, the right back. He's on loan from Bristol City, only yeah. 21 years of age. I mean, that shows you what I mean, Lee Johnson obviously feels he's got enough quality at Ashton Gate because I really like Viner. Um, and they're in a great position at the weekend. A goal up. Uh, Williams hits the base of the post. Could have been 2 0, and Nor- Norwich could have been looking at a home defeat. So, brilliant resilience, different side to, to Norwich. And I like the stat of um, the last team in the EFL to have an English goal scorer, Norwich, at the weekend. And obviously had two in Aaron's, finishing a brilliant team move. And, and Cantwell, who me and Adrian have both loved the look of this season. Some excellent goals and, and Pookie with the icing on the cake. I don't see them going anywhere, to no, be honest. I quality think they're good. all round. Quality all round. Saw it the early part of last season. A few deficiencies that the manager's ironed out. It's a very good side. On, on that, Canary Marks says, us Norwich fans are starting to believe. Do you think that if we're still top after Christmas, we should buy a couple of key players to push on? Bearing in mind we've cleared debts and have an exciting blend of academy players and foreign imports, would it be disruptive? If not, who do we go for you you both sat in that yeah. situation when players come in in January how does it change it? it it can change it depends on the type of characters you bring in depends how you know they're not always impactful are they um 
I don't think Norwich are in desperate need of it, I have to say. I think it probably would be prudent to maybe bring in a striker if one becomes available, just in case anything happens to Pukki or, or Rhodes or, or both. I think they've got a lot of attacking midfielders. They're overloaded there. I think in central midfield, they've got, they've got great options. Leitner is, is a really impressive player and, and, and Steeperman and Teti. You've got, you've got a blend of everything there. Centre-half is really settled. The full-backs both young. I mean, what's not to like about Norwich at the moment? It's, they're fantastic. Great spirit because they keep coming back, don't they, from adversity. But I don't think they're in desperate need of, of, of purchases. What I will say, if they're at the top by the end of January, get your money on them to, to go up automatically because they play seven of the top ten between now and the end of January. I think this is mate, this it's not it's not do or die, but this is the period that, that they can really put one foot in the Premier League. Seven of the top uh, top ten in, in basically in the next seven weeks. Well, well we know Sam Parkin's record of late and he's just said they're not moving. <laughs> so uh... no, I'm in agreement with Adrian really, but I think similar with Forrest. You don't yeah. want to bring too many in and upset what's going on. I think both those squads look particularly strong and it's a good sign. I mean against the was it Millwater 4-3 recently and against Rotherham? Two tricky games that they've come back. They're doing the business uh, against the teams in the lower reach of the divisions. You're right. It's going to be about how they do against the top teams, the people in and around them, as it's going to be for Villa in the next few weeks. With that, I mean, that game on the, on the weekend, West Brom, Villa, Friday night. Yeah, I think brilliant. that's going to tell us a lot about Villa. Goals, goals, goals. Birmingham 3, Preston 0. Declan, Rudd, oh. nutmeg, <laughs> stroke nightmare. Yeah, well, they've had a bit of a problem, goalkeepers, because Chris Maxwell's been in for a bit and, and Rudd. Now, do you know what it made me think of? Pete Enkelman. Do you remember it? In the derby, Birmingham Villa, when he let his own players throw run yeah, under yeah, his foot. Yeah. It's the same goal. Same end, wasn't it? And I went, to play, I went on to play with uh, Pete Enkelman. Did you ever uh, remind him? No, it's the elephant in the room, isn't it? But he's quite a quirky character, was old Pete. Very good goalkeeper. I played with him at St Johnston. But yeah, it was... It was uh, very reminiscent of that. Uh, yeah, Birmingham are very good at the moment. I think the, the third goal just illustrated how good Adams is at the moment. Che Adams, a hopeful clearance, really, from Kifton Bell, as his goal was. Mm. And Che Adams turns an average ball into a good one. He's fantastic. He's their main spark at the moment. Need to get more goals from Magoma. That's his first since the opening day of the season. But I think they've been one of the most consistent teams. Mm. Birmingham haven't got the points that they deserve. Gary Monk was uh, very verbal about that early part of the season but they're in a great vein of form irrelevant of that derby defeat and, and not lost at St Andrews too yeah. no, and they've, they've got most of the toughest games on paper out of the way Lo- they've done loads of tough away games drew a few you know lost a few but but they because of their power at St, at St Andrews I, I would fancy them to at least stick around inside the top 10 my, my worry is, is, is always will they have enough of the ball because they very much play the percentages and they're relying on those two guys that you mentioned I mean Magoma is a big player for them when, he, when he's on it but yeah it's, it's the sort of Adams and Jukovic show isn't it but they, they have the least possession I mean this is they're a bit like Cardiff they're this season's Cardiff aren't they slightly better to watch I think but, but they don't have they have the least amount of the ball make the least short passes but none of it really matters because they've got two guys up front that score goals uh, Derby 2 Swansea 1 Harry Wilson Harry Wilson Harry Wilson a brace for him Reading 2 Stoke City 2 Reading leaving it late Bristol 1 Millwall 1 you're at that one Sam yeah, not a thriller, unfortunately. I mean, the injury problems for Millwall. He he joked in, in jest after the game about maybe registering himself, Neil Harris. I'm not even joking. No. They could do a lot worse. I mean, I don't think there's anyone in the club at the moment, apart from Steve Morrison, who's 80% fit. 
who could play up front. Got Anya Dimra at, at Wickham. Now you've got Gregory, Elliot and Bradshaw gone lame the last few weeks. I mean, they, had, they ended up with Jed Wallace up front by himself who actually did not a bad job and that was the period of the game where the momentum actually swung in Mill's favour. So they got massive injury problems. So I don't think that was a, a true reflection of, of Mill. Should be all right. Again, need a couple of players. Striker, left-sided player to give them a bit more going forward. And Bristol, funnily enough, I got the similar vibe that I did when I was watching Ipswich the previous week. Not in, obviously they have more quality, more quality players, but just in that lack of belief to score goals. Lack of belief going forward. Jake Cooper scored an own goal. That was their goal at the weekend. And there was a period of the game when they're having so much of the ball, you think, go on, put it to bed, put it to bed. And they just, I don't think they believe they're going to get another one. And then they obviously went, retreated a little bit and Millwall got on top, got a brilliant equaliser through um, Sean Williams. But yeah, I worry about Bristol City and it seems to swing, doesn't it? They're in favour of Lee Johnson one moment and Mm. then he's under pressure the next and he played one up front which always unsettles the natives as soon as you see the team sheet. So I'd be surprised if um, he doesn't come in for a bit of flack unless they turn it around. Really? 14th at the moment, and they are, what, eight points off those relegation yeah. places? Mill will find themselves third bottom. I think, just think it's, it's a new cycle there. They yeah. lost their three yeah. best players last summer. They've obviously spent a lot of money on the facilities there at Ashton Gate, which is a brilliant ground to visit, by the way. But the age of the team is so young, mm. you know, and they'll reinvest, you know, they can consolidate this year, they'll go again. And I am, I'm convinced Bristol City will be a Premier League club in the next few years. Don't know when, but everything's in place there. Just at the moment, it's a youthful side lacking a bit of a cutting edge, but I think they'll be fine. Add to the Totally Show for games that you've been to, comments you want to make too. Was there anything else from the weekend you wanted to talk about? Well, I think we should give Danny Graham a mention. He scored a hat-trick, didn't he? Goodness me. Um, For Sheffield Wednesday 4-2. Obviously, I I think Bradley Dax buttering his toast in the morning as well. (laughs) What does that mean? I just mean that he is absolutely laying everything on the plate for him. (laughs) He is, yeah. I've never heard that one. I like it. Yeah, they they work really well together. I made it up. I made it up. (laughs) Didn't. I swear. No, you didn't. It was like, kind of worked, but didn't. Yeah, yeah. maybe I was being a bit too kind on you. I don't know. You think if you have to explain it. Yeah, yeah. I wonder where he was going. Um, but look, they work well together, don't they? But will Dak be there beyond January? We're talking about strikers on the move. I would imagine that... that I mean, Dak's not an out-and-out striker. He's more of a 10, but but he's a goal scorer. So, so the question is, can, can Blackburn and... And Tony Mowbray, hang on to him. Easy tap-ins for Danny Graham. He couldn't couldn't miss a couple of those, could he? But but well done, Blackburn. They look really, really good, actually, on the counter and on the transition. They're not a stodgy team anymore. They have no. been in the past, but uh, they're pretty good to watch when they flow forward at, at full pace. And they bounce back well from a, from a poor performance at, at Wigan. As for Wednesday, well, it's another day where their, their defence is all over the gaff. Three and a half thousand fans there singing for Lahukai uh, out. I think it's only a matter of time. A little bit like Hughes at Southampton. I think he's, he's going to be going. How do you say out? Because they they <laughs> they call it the hokey coat in out in out. The, mm. the players he brings in changes it. Try he's trying to force something yeah, to happen. Well, there's, there's no real organisation, is it? The team's set up to attack. It's like he's, he's got like to listen to this show. Yeah, he's got, he's yeah. got to listen to us. We've been yeah. telling them for three weeks, it's, four weeks. It's, it's it's shambolic at the back, and they're going to continue to leak goals, and and they could be drawn into a relegation battle if they're not careful. Uh, Chris Waddle, our old mate from last week, he wants the job. Apparently, um, look if Wally Downs can get the uh, get the Wimbledon job. 
you know, not a lot of managerial experience in recent times. Maybe maybe Chris Waddle would be in the fray. Depends what you want. If you want someone to inspire a team to stop them getting relegated, maybe. Maybe. I just, I just want someone to drop their shoulder and do nutmegs. <laughs> that would be unbelievable. He's one of my heroes, Chris Waddle. What a player. Right. No Joe Critty this week, but we do have producer Abby with the odds. So, producer Abby, we've already heard from Adrian the six that will be involved at the top of the table come the end of the season. But if anyone's going to make a job of it in January and push on towards those playoff promotions, the odds go for whom should be investing? Whom should we be investing? Well, when we talk about Forest, they are the eighth favourites for promotion, five to one. Uh, If you just want them to make the playoffs, though, 11 to five in there. So, winning the whole thing, Forest, are what? Are the whole damn thing, 14 to one. Mm. Other end of the table, uh, perhaps there's a wobble going on for Sheffield Wednesday, perhaps for Bristol City, not on relegation, right? But who's odds on to go down? Odds on to go down, Ipswich, surprise, surprise, 10 to 11. They'll be uh, quite likely to be there in the League One next season. (sighs) And that was the Championship. Thanks to everyone that got in touch about the Nathan Jones interview last week. This time out, we're going to talk about Sunderland, or more precisely, Sunderland Till I Die, a new docu-series coming out on Wednesday, the 14th of December, looking back at the 2017-18 season. So much, much expectation on the club to get back into the Premier League. We all know how that turned out. Leo Perlman and Ben Turner, executive producers for Full World 73, who've made the docu-series. Let's start with you first, Leo, if that's okay. I was just watching over the kitchen table Chris Coleman talking in the last episode and I kind of wonder when when you first walked into the club to record this documentary, whether you thought it would get to the stage it did at the end and whether relegation everything at the end actually made it a better documentary. Certainly when we started uh, when we started the filming and when we, we approached the club and Netflix to talk about this series, it wasn't with the intention of following the club that we love getting relegated for the second time in a row. It was very much with the idea that this great club would bounce straight back up to the premiership heroically, Phoenix from the Flames-esque, mm. and we'd have lots to celebrate. In terms of, uh, from filmmakers' perspective, the drama that came with a change of manager, or two changes of managers even, the takeover of the club and the relegation certainly gave us more than we could have ever hoped for. I say hoped in inverted commas, hoped for, uh, for, the, for the series. But no, it wasn't something that we expected at the start, that's for sure. Yeah, too right. We're all football fans first, but, but when you see what comes out the other end. Ben, that moment when you, you thought about making this documentary then, as lifelong Sunderland fans, were you, did you have trepidation about it? Were you nervous about it? No, we're really, really excited. I mean, we've been trying to get into Sunderland since we started in the business about 10 years ago. This is uh, definitely the fulfillment of a, dr- of a lifelong dream. You know, we've, been to, we, we've been lucky enough to go to some amazing places uh, with the work that we've done, sporting and otherwise, but there was just something very, very special about this. The reason I say that is I've been fortunate enough to be involved in, in my football club and there's a point at which you become too close to it. You know too much about either how dire the situation is, which was the case of Sunderland last season, and it kind of almost ruins it for you as a fan. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think we'd have, we'd have had it ruined for us a long time ago with Sunderland because <laughs> it's just been exactly. <laughs> in that sense, in that sense. I mean, I actually, weirdly, there was one there was one moment where I did, we were chatting to the first team just about the 
film in general and what we were going to be filming and how it was going to work and any questions that they had. And there was a little part of me that suddenly there was a sort of eight-year-old <laughs> version of myself that was like, I'm talking to the Sunderland First Team. <laughs> and I had this little moment of like, oh, my God. You know, and did feel like just a, a, a brief sort of moment of, I suppose, nerves tying to them. But, uh, but generally, it was, it was amazing. This had then a little bit of everything, the, the fan point of view from, from you two as well, equally the fact that it's got this, this story set against it. But then you add on to the top of that this possibility that you're going to get involved and take over the club, financing the club. This was your interest, or, or 4 World 73, so that the production company's interest in buying the club in June 2017, so just before you started filming. What, what happened then and, and why did it stop? A lot of 2 plus 2 equals 5 going on. Uh, and obviously we were we were very close to the owner, we were very close to the chief exec, we were intimately involved with the club, and we were having conversations with a number of potential um, consortiums who were interested, but our expertise is in making documentaries, definitely not in uh, in running a football club. Maybe some point in the future when we're, you know, retired and looking for something else to do, that might be an option. At what point did you think, though, all that was going wrong with Ed is short, that, that you just wanted to step in Again, because that's that fan thing. I think the biggest mistake that the biggest mistake that he made, and he he would, you know, he would probably be the first to admit this, was the lack of the lack of transparency with the fans um, in particular. I think that when things are going badly, you want someone to you want to understand why you want someone who you feel like is one of your own or understands the pain you're going through. And I think Ellis removing himself from the club both physically and emotionally was the biggest mistake he made because actually he plowed an enormous amount of his money into it and was the first one to admit the pretty huge mistakes that he made so yeah uh, I think he stayed a few years too long and he uh, made some big mistakes but uh, he did what he could that's the most telling thing, actually, for me that, that comes away from this series is that is that interview with Chris Coleman where he says, I've just not spoken to the chairman. Um, Charlotte talks about the fact that yeah. they've had phone calls from other chairmen saying, we're sorry about you getting relegated and, and what's happened. But the fact that, he, that the chairman hadn't picked up that phone and said, regardless of what he thought about what had happened, hadn't spoken to him. He disappeared. He completely washed his hands of it. And I think that that's something that's really important to understand about Martin Bain. And it's something that's come across in a few in a few interviews that we've done about this series, but it is a point that's important to make. I think the fans' understanding or perception of Martin Bain was that he was Ellis's stooge. You know, mm. he was like the voice piece for Ellis, and to some extent, he was because that was his employer, and he was having to be front and centre and face up to the tough questions. But Martin Bain was in an impossible position at the point where, at the point we were relegated from the Premiership, or even six months earlier. Effectively, Ellis, as we said, kind of washed his hands of the club. Um, there was no more money going to be put in. There was no more. Uh, there was no strategic vision for the club moving forward. It was simply a case of he wanted to sell the club, he wanted out, and he wasn't prepared to 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 do anything further. And Martin was the one left, you know, holding the baby and having to deal with it. And he worked, you know, he worked incredibly hard to try and turn things around. As did everyone behind the scenes at the club. And I think that was really important. And hopefully, it does come across in the series. It was really important to us that that came across, that yes, it was a club completely in crisis, both on and off the pitch. But the people who were there behind the scenes, who were working to try and keep the club alive, people have no idea how much they cared and how much they gave to try and turn things around. 
you see it actually on on their faces. You see it with there's there's a brilliant point where we're watching sausages being made, and they're talking about um, she's going to go and have a, a huge vodka tonight. She doesn't normally drink on a work night, but when Grayson went, you see those emotions go through the faces, through those working at Sunderland, through the fans too, as you say, throughout throughout the series. All the best of luck with it. I've got no doubt it's going to be a huge success. And thank you so much for coming on the show. No problem at all. Thank you for the time. Sunderland Till I Die then. For those that can't wait until December the 14th, Sunderland are actually hosting an advanced screening of the series on Wednesday. That's December the 5th. So today or maybe tomorrow, if you're listening to this, at the Sunderland Empire. It may have sold out by now, but we'll give it a mention anyway. On to this weekend's fixtures then. Where's the Bromwich Albion up against the Aston Villa? Starts off the EFL on Friday, Sam. What a game. First and foremost, two teams in brilliant form. See West Brom slipping up last night, but you would expect it to be a thriller the way that they've both been performing. Um, Dean Smith, again, like he did prior to the Birmingham fixture, he will know all about this clash. I think there is a, a pretty big rivalry there, uh, relevant of, uh, the, you know, they both have their own rivals, West Brom, yeah. Wolves, Villa. Birmingham, but yeah, fantastic game with um, a lot of attacking players right at the top of their game at the moment. Where else should we be looking in the championship this weekend? Oh, goodness me. Look, there are some, some decent fixtures. Um, let's have a look at, I think Brentford v Swansea. It doesn't look a very exciting game on, on paper. You know, both teams sort of labouring a little bit, treading water. I just feel that one of them needs to kickstart their season. It's, it's all gone a bit flat, hasn't it? Particularly for Swansea, actually. They've had a rubbish week. I think they had some tough fixtures, but I did notice that in the last game, I think against Derby, Graham Potter went very defensive and that kind of wasn't his bag before. So I just wonder whether the, it's starting to get to him a little bit. Have um, they been playing above themselves in certain games, well, maybe? I just think they're, they're just too reliant on um, McBurney for the goals. They need they need another goal scorer in there. They need Bersant uh, Salina to to come alive and, and dominate more matches than he does. He's he's enigmatic player, we know that. So so that is a big game because the loser of it, I, I, I think, will start to really look look over their shoulders rather than ahead. Stoke Ipswich, Paul Lambert going back to Stoke. And I just when I was at Port Vale the other week I listened to the local radio on the way back down and they're so divided. Uh, on Gary Rowett still, the, the, the Stoke supporters. Um, he left a couple of players out at the weekend that have been playing exceptionally well in Williams and, and Berahino, who's been very good in the last few games and, and rolled the dice, I think partly because of fatigue mm. uh, after the fixtures in the week, but it hasn't gone down particularly well with a Stoke fan. So that is enormous that they take maximum points against Ipswich and put on a bit of a display because it's that inconsistency in team selection and performance that... He's still riling the natives up there in the potteries. And the flip oakcakes. side, it, riling the oatcakes up there. Uh, the, the flip side to that is it, Paul Lambert's got to start. He said he's been getting performances from his team, but kind of really got to start seeing it. You've got to get results, haven't you? Yeah, he's he's under pressure already, isn't he? And it's not an easy game. I think that, that, that what's in Stokes' favour at the moment and Gary Rowett's is that he's got Klukas fit. I think he makes a huge difference. I, thought he, I think he's a Premier League player, if I'm, if I'm being honest, Sam Klukas. I thought pretty impressive for the most part for, for Swansea. His, his drives into the box are, are key for them. Ince is playing really well as well. Uh, and Joe Allen has had a good week, you know, creating goals as well. So so I actually think that Stoke, even though Gary Rowett is, is, yeah, he's, he's 
clearly flustered by what's gone on this season. I kind of got to know Gary Rowett quite well a few years ago when he was a player. I used to work for um, Icons. We used to do websites of, of various players. And he was one of my designated players. I'd phone him every week. And he's obviously very erudite, speaks, speaks, spoke excellently. Yeah. He's very calm and very very friendly family guy. I've been around, I went around his house. He, he's a really kind of nice guy. But I think this season he just... Is the public perception of him is that he's a he's a baddie and he's he's kind of fueling that fire with his reactions mm. both during the games where he's he's always looking to chirp at other managers. He loves to tear, tear up on the bench and then and then when he comes out afterwards, he's very spiky with the media and he never used to be like that. So I I just think the management is kind of getting to him a little bit. He needs to, he needs to chill out. Maybe he needs to work with his old friend. He'll sort him out. A quick few league. One, Burton Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury appointing Sam Ricketts as their new manager. It's a big, not a big step for Sam. Wrexham were fourth in the National League, but interesting to see how he performs and going to Burton Albion themselves who've been there, experienced it within in the National League and they have just shown grit and carried on 16th against 15th. He's got a bit of everything in League One. Yeah, he'll be looking forward to pitting his wits against um, Nigel Clough, an experienced manager. You get the impression Sam Ricketts is one of those players who was a little bit different. I think probably conducted himself very well throughout his career. He's clearly a bright guy. Yeah. And he's been given an opportunity early on um, to to really progress straight up to, to League One level. They're in a decent place, you know. Danny Coyne won five out of six in yeah. temporary charge. And they've discovered, well, they haven't discovered him, but Fajiri Okunabiri, mm. he's got five in the league recently and he looks like a player. And Danny Coyne's been talking him up and saying... We've got this real threat in behind, a real goal threat. So I think Sam Ricketts has taken over a club that have got a bit more confidence than they had under John Askey. He seems like, like Frank Lampard, not the, the same type of career, obviously Champions League, but someone who knows the game inside out, speaks well, clearly bright and dedicated to being a manager. Plymouth Bradford, 22nd against 24th. That's another big one in League One. In League Two, Colchester Macclesfield, Sol Campbell... His press conference this week A-12's was brilliant. Be busy, isn't it? The A12 is going to be busy <laughs> Saturday afternoon. Oh, the A12. I think there are problems on the A12. So oh no! Out for it. Yeah. yeah, particularly around the A120. So that's that's always a problem at weekends. <laughs> uh, but he'll know about that because he's talked about being an ambassador for British Airways, such as being his air miles and his travelling. Oh, he'll have been to Colchester a few times this season just to scout, just in case he got a League Two job as well. I'd imagine. He said, "I played at Portsmouth. That's an interesting place to play to fantastic fans." When he was asked about a culture shock, you'll have seen the headlines about him being one of the best players in the world coming to Macclesfield I'm desperate again for Sol Campbell to do well oh me too I really really wish him the best of luck because he he, he has he, he's been putting his name out there for, for every job around hasn't he and he, he's talked himself up and now he's got the chance and well done Macclesfield for, for appointing him look do I think it's a match made in heaven no do I think that it, it will end in tears quite quite soon I do and, and that's purely only on a just because of Sol's personality, I touched on it last week, I just don't know if he can handle all different types of characters. That's mm. my, that's the big question mark I have. He's clearly um, an expert uh, in, in the art of defending and he will know how to organise his team. 
It's just, it's just has he got that knowledge? And and who is his not? Who's his backroom staff? Because Danny Whitaker's there, isn't he? I don't know if he stayed on. You see, yeah, I think, I think having the right backroom staff is is important. An, old, an older guy, yeah, yeah. I think somebody knows the level. That's what I, my yeah. initial reaction I, my, was. I just feel like he's been thrust into it all on his own, and he's in an environment that he just doesn't know or understand. It's it's like starting a whole new career almost, and and that is going to take a little bit of, of time to adapt. So, look, I absolutely wish him all the luck in the world, but he's got a tough job in his hands. Time is key, not least for us, but also for Joe Dunn. Tranmere against Cambridge United this weekend, but Joe Dunn has been sacked by Cambridge United. He only took the job in, what, May? So three months in charge as interim boss last season, though. So... He's had that spell there. Results have dictated the need for change. We believe we have the right talent in this squad to be further up the table, says Director of Football Graham Daniel. Took me a little bit by surprise. They have been very inconsistent. They won three in a row at the end of October and then just one point from the last three. I was surprised when they let Sean Derry go, to be completely frank, because I'm very impressed with Sean every time I hear him speak. I think Sean's got a lot to to, to give the game. Um, So I'm surprised Joe Dunn's gone. But 19 points from from 20 games, it's not great. Gary Bowie, I know, is the one that they're talking about for that position. I don't think there's any discussion, really, that Gary Bowie deserves another opportunity, given the work he did at Blackpool was unbelievable in such dire circumstances. So it'll be interesting to see who they go for. But, yeah, it's not been great there. Game of the weekend could be MK Dons against Carlisle and I say this because obviously MK Dons are top but Carlisle are the away day specialists they're, they're, they're not, nothing special when you look at the, the league table but if the league table was based on away games they'd be third so so maybe if anyone can sort of bring this long unbeaten run to an end at Stadium MK it might be Carlisle How long was that train journey? Any other stats? <laughs> he's always got them up his sleeve regardless of which train he's on Thank you, Mr. Clark. Thank you, Mr. Parkin. Thank Pleasure. you to... Oh, he's not here. But thank you, Abby, for supplying the odds this week. Uh, hopefully, Joe will be back. I don't want to say hopefully. I don't mean that rudely. We Joe, all mean it. We no, all mean it. we don't. Uh, Joe will be back next week. Thank you to you and all our guests too for getting involved, to Eric and the Sunderland boys at The Totally Show for your thoughts throughout the week. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom, and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing, but then come the injuries, the goal droughts, and the downright disastrous defeats. That's a little bit like life, really. And here at the Totally Football Show, we believe we should all support each other the way we support our team, through the good days and the bad. And that's why we're continuing to work with Calm, the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. On average, 12 men take their own life every day in the UK. So that's your starting 11 and your manager every single day. And part of the problem is that many of us still feel uncomfortable talking about mental health and suicide, and this can often stop men from opening up and getting support when they need it the most. So if you're worried that someone close to you is having a tough time, check in with them and let them know that Calm is there. Every day from 5pm till midnight, Calm provide a free, confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. Visit thecalmzone.net to find out more about Calm.